how did, how did you like that? Did you catch up? What did you think of that video with Card Killer? That was fantastic. I mean, that reveal, cra- craziest thing is, he actually, Card Killer dates my aunt. I We hang out all the time, and I didn't know. Yeah, right. Just kidding. Like, <laughs> hey, our Thanksgiving's going to be nuts this year, you know? You had me for that long. You had me for that long. <laughs> no, but it, on a serious note, it was like, you know, he took that mask off. You could feel it. I felt it. I felt that relief. And then it's like a beautiful person emerged, like a, a create, a true creative. I connected with him instantly. I fell in love with him. It's like, you know, I love that stuff. It's just a beautiful, you know, and it's like, you know, iconoclasts, you know, they challenge sacred beliefs. So, you know, in this hobby, a lot hasn't changed for a long time. Yeah. And now you got new minds within the space. Hey, he's cutting up cards and making them look sick. Like, you know, he's going to challenge certain people that, that, you know, don't necessarily agree with that, but it's sick. He's a beautiful human being. I can feel it. The second he took that off, he felt relieved. I felt relieved. We all felt connected to him. So that's sick. He's a beautiful person. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was heavy. Like I was, (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh, am I about to shed? Am I going to have to start fighting back a tear here? Like, it just yeah. seemed so significant. It was significant yeah. for, you know, for, for him and for those that are, that have been following his account on Instagram for so long. Oh, that yeah. a, that's a big moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Your, your camera even like started to blow out. So you were glowing, everything was white, you know, you really lit up. So <laughs> right on. Well, I'm glad you were able to, uh, to see that and to watch it and, uh, it's always nice to be able to uh, to chat with on the later show with the guest about about what kind of happened on the early show. So I appreciate that, uh, Aaron. So everybody, let's welcome Aaron Rich to Sports Cards Live After Hours. Uh, Aaron, it's great to have you here. So we we got together because I believe what happened was you put out a trailer or a teaser for Hobby Dons. Uh, I feel like a month or so ago, maybe, oh, even before, would it have been before the national or when did the T first teaser come out? It was before the national. I mean, you know, the original plan, which, you know, with creative stuff, it can just be, it can turn really quick against you. But I was trying to get it out before the national, you know, I was like, there's a lot of excitement. I wanted to ride right into that, but you know, honestly, yeah, just had some setbacks and, you know, I mean, we'll okay. get that, you know, yeah. here, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, and I, I even put on the teasers like, Hey, July, 2021. And then, you know, I'm getting bombarded by people that are just like, yo, when's this coming out? People asking, you know, so. Yeah. Things- so I saw, I saw the teaser and I can't, I can't, I'd have to look in my DMS, but uh, I just, I was excited. You know, I'm excited for any, the, any real well done, hobby content is very exciting you know and when it's got that the production value that you put into it and you know to anyone who hasn't seen it yet we'll get to it we'll direct you to aaron's youtube channel and the the episode which did drop officially just on was it saturday or sunday just a few yeah sunday night sunday night we got it out yeah Yeah, sunday sunday night yeah um yeah it was almost your dm was almost instantaneous to that first teaser so i knew you were excited and you know, that's all. Anytime you can get that kind of a response. I mean, 
I was getting, uh, you know, phone calls, texts from people that I didn't know. And, you know, it was like, all right, I, I'm striking that chord that I knew that I had to like, this is the void that I, that my, you know, my skill set was, I knew that this was my offering to the hobby. Like, so I had, I, this was a maximum conviction project for me. So it was like, I had to see it through and shout out to my dad. Cause he was texting me all the time. Like he's been in the trenches with me on different ideas that I've pitched. And, you know, you get rejected a lot when you're trying to go like higher end and trying to get bigger clients and you come up with these heartfelt stories and you put your soul into it and then you just get rejected, you know, and in my dad, it was like, he's like, I pitched him on hobby dons and he was texting me once a week, like, cause it took you know six, seven months before we got to shoot, you know, which that's a long time. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta have maximum conviction on a project like this. Otherwise you'll let it dwindle because there's going to be a million setbacks. So, I mean, in the past, usually I let that stuff derail, but this time I was like, I, I have to do this. So, you know, shout out to my dad for texting me all the time and being like, you, you gotta do like, Hey, are you shooting? How's Lou? Did you guys meet? You know, what's going on? So that was shout out to Mr. Rich, senior Mr. Rich. So I do want to, we're going to, I got some questions for you. I, I, I really do. I want to just welcome Snow a Scout. Loves you. Studio Sports in the house. We got Purple Haze. We got Tom Bullard. Studio throws a, throws some support our way. Thank you very much, Studio. Uh, Steve, Steve, what's that? We split that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll send, I'll send you, uh, I'll send you a, a gift card for, uh, you don't get you don't have Tim Hortons where you are, so I'll have to figure that out. Steve Foley, my guy in South Florida, good evening. And Frankie Gonzalez says, saw the episode and the production value of it was incredible. Loved the music. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. And that 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 that's and that almost understates it just how how awesome the production value was. I which is what excites me the most. You know, we see so we see a lot of people, a lot of content creators creating YouTube content and a lot. Not to take anything away from them, but you just don't see professionally made content like like documentary style or something that would actually be, you know, screened in a theater. And that's really what you've done here. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. But before we do, how did you come up with the idea to to make this? What, can you remember the the moment that that, that it like the the catalyzed it? I went to the first card show that I had been to in probably 20 years. I mean, I remember my dad taking me to a card show when I was a kid at a local high school. You know, I probably only went to one in my life. And then in Nashville, there was a show and I was just, you know, it was early 2020. I was just starting to get back into cards. I'm like, I'm going to go to this show. So I went, I was kind of not really seeing anything that I connected with. I mean, like the 90s era, you know, inserts and Griffey, like, I mean, my background, Midwest baseball player, you'd go to the dairy bar after baseball games, parents would pay, you know, you'd get a hot dog and a twist. And then in the back room, there was, there was cases of cards. So it'd be like, the metal universe Griffey inserts, you know, blast furnace and like stuff. And it's like, Oh my, like this stuff is so sick. It was probably like 30 bucks back then, but it was like, gosh, these are all the Frank Thomas. And, you know, it was like, this is all the stuff that I want. And, uh, so I went to that. So, you know, 
I went to that card show in Nashville and I saw a guy, he had like the SP, you know, a bunch of 93 SP Jeter rookies. He had 89 upper deck and, you know, he had some Mickey Mantle stuff and like just stuff that, that I was looking for. I was like, man, I, I need to do something like to showcase this. Cause I mean, I'm, my career is like, I'm 15 years running. I mean, it's like eighth grade. I was shooting skateboard videos with my friends. So I was like, you know, obviously I need to do something with this gifting or tool set that I've cultivated over the years. And it didn't work out with that guy. But then I started seeing this other guy from Nashville and it was Lou, like sports car DX. I'm like, dude, platinum medallion Jordans and like all these crazy rare. I'm like, dude, it would be so sick to get with a guy like that and shoot his collection. He's here. He's, you know, I just have to like, I've I formulated this like message. I think we like spent time like writing it. It was like this whole paragraph of just like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. He's like, Oh heck yeah, man. Let's, let's, let's get together. So Lou was like super down. I'm like writing this like letter to try to get him to do it. And you know, we edited it and all this other stuff, you know, yeah. after it was just like ridiculous but so we started talking i'm like dude this would be the perfect guy and then you know a lot of the narrative started happening about him acquiring that you know that other big jordan card and you know it was just like yeah this is a no-brainer that you know it work yeah yeah well and we'll, i want to get into lou a little bit more uh shortly shortly but i want to let's just continue down the road of like and you know the creation of the video itself and I want to know how long did it take from concept to release? When did you first decide you were going to do this? And how long ago was that? Uh, how many months was it before this past Sunday? I think the idea dawned on me February 2020. Okay, so just over a year and a half or so. Yeah, so that's kind of when that initial idea came. And then I, I almost looked it up on Facebook because my initial point of contact with Lou was through Facebook. But I want to say like October or November of 2020, you know, we went back and forth for like three months of just like scheduling just to sit down and get a beer. And then, you know, when we met, it was like, I don't know, I was a little bit anxious and just, you know, I felt like I kind of flubbed it up when we met originally, but he was like down and I was like, Oh man, he gets it. Like I had these storyboards and stuff ready and I was showing him imagery and like playing songs for him. And, you know, it's easier to set a vibe that way to like pitch, an idea to somebody because it's it's hard to just like talk it out but if you have references and visual mood boards and songs it's like you can really paint a vibe of like what you want to do and you know um so after that you know that was you know october november first point of contact and we shot it july 6th you know so you know that was another four or five months, you know, just like trying to figure out shoot dates. And he, he was on the, like, he was on vacation a ton and his kids were on summer and, you know, so it's just like, it's hard. It, it was hard to like lock that in and, you know, it's like people's time. And it's like, you know, I, I didn't have budget, you know, to like pay talent or anything like I would want to, you know, I mean, I, I funded this project by myself, you know, it was just like, like I said, you know, when something with maximum conviction hits, it's like you just have to do it. And, you know, it, it's not like I expected as, as strong of a response as what I got, but I, I knew it was going to fill a void. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So you funded this thing yourself. So is there a, like, is it an, an 
what's your what's your plan to really monetize this thing if i can ask that well i mean i'm not really like an internet guy i'm not a social media guy i mean clearly you know hobby don's youtube channel is was like birthed just to house this first episode and you know my social media like you know my main account has like one post from 2017 and then you know some of the little collectibles that i have on my separate account you know um so it's just i, I don't it makes me feel terrible. Like, you know, I just, I don't want to see what I'm missing out on. It's almost like when I get rid of that to like, you know, come, you know, I like compulsive, like, okay, if I'm feeling bored for a second, my finger instantly goes to Instagram or something. I'm like, that's like too powerful on your mind. You know, just like I'm bored, like I'm unconsciously like clicking in and like, you know, just looking at stuff and, it's just like, I, it just makes me feel like shit. So I don't get on social media. I don't like being on it. And so I, I haven't really made a platform for myself to release something like this, but I know that, you know, just based on the phone calls and conversations I'm having, it's like, I, it can be housed on somebody else's platform and, you know, the production value, like, like you said, it's not a YouTube show. Like, it's just not what you would traditionally see on YouTube, but uh, the stickiness of the name Hobby Dons and, you know, like I love being able to have a show with like, you know, that you, you can shorten it, you know, Dons, you know, it yeah, sounds yeah. Oh, did you yeah. see the episode of Dons? So it felt like there was, you know, Mac Malcolm Gladwell talks about stickiness factor. So it felt like that, that name had some stickiness to it. A lot of creators are starting to like hit this vein a little bit. So I was like, man, I just, I got to get this pilot, you know, this first episode out. I need that name. I need people to be aware of it. And then like, you know, there's another gear yet in the tank for, you know, what, what the real like iteration of what hobby dons needs to be. So, I mean, that's the biggest like tease that I can give of like what's to come. So, yeah, I think, you know, just hearing you, you answer that question, it, it's uh, I feel, I feel like there's something similar with, with what you did. And how and what I've done with, with with my show with Sports Cards Live, and what I mean by that is, you know, I didn't come into it with any uh, intention other than to just do it. You know, there was no there was no goal, there was no plan for me. It was just do the first show, see what happens. Okay, went pretty well. Do the second show, see what happens. Oh, that went pretty well. Do the third show, and now I'm like 100, almost 160 episodes in, and um, and you know, no no desire to slow down. So. I think, you know, you don't necessarily need that long-term plan when you're being creative and, and, and expressing your, yourself and, 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 you know, in the, through the, the media you choose to. And uh, so I, I commend you for that and, uh, and for, the, for the investment as well. Um, what were some of the challenges that you experienced along the way uh, cre creating? And I see we do have, I see Frankie's got a great question. We'll get there right after, but talk a bit about some of the challenges for you, like personally, and just in terms of, uh, any sort of uh, hurdles along the way, speed bumps? Because I know there's one uh, in particular. Yeah, I mean, it probably just like overcoming myself, you know, it was like the biggest thing of like, you know, a pro this project has to be, you know, it has to get done. And like, it, it's nerve wracking. Like, uh, you know, I, I was raised a certain way. My upbringing was a certain way. I'm not like, you know, I feel like my mindset is more like an athlete. I mean, I grew up playing baseball. And so my mind works like an athlete. Like if I get into a competitive zone when it comes to like physical performance or getting on a field, I feel like I turn into an alpha, 
you know, like I'm super competitive, I'll dominate, I'll get fired up. And then with the creative side of me, which came a little bit later after that athletic thing, it's like you got crippling self-doubt, you got extreme highs, extreme lows. And it was like, I, I just had to battle myself. And I, I think everybody's creative. And it's like, if you bridge that gap, just like with Rodney, that he's, he's got a beautiful story. And it is. And just like what you were saying, it's about putting yourself out there. It's about trying things. I mean, Dave Chappelle was on, you know, he's on talk shows all the time. And somebody was like, you know, oh, you seem so strong. You seem so, you know, whatever. He's like, nobody's sitting in this chair, you know, A-list celebrities, movie stars, directors. It's like nobody is not strong that's going to be sitting in this chair, you know. And the same thing with you doing your show. It's like, it takes strong people to, to execute on their ideas. And Josh Luber talks about it. Like ideas are cheap, but it's all in the execution and putting yourself out there is a big hurdle that a lot of people don't overcome. So I was glad that I was able to do it, you know, from a more practical stance or from a more practical place. The night before we were leaving, we were driving from Ohio to Nashville to shoot my cinematographer, my director of photography, cinematographer, Ray rushing shout out Ray um just as just a super talent and uh he got a toothache the week before we like had to shoot and he was texting me the night before we're like planning to leave at like 4 30 in the morning get down there everything like man i got this toothache he's like i went to the dentist they told me that like i shouldn't travel and like oh my gosh like this is everything's falling apart i'm just kind of frantic and i'm already kind of anxious and nervous but you know, we got him some clove oil and, you know, some shit like that from my mom and her holistic medicines. And, you know, we dabbed that shit on his molar and, you know, we were able to, you know, fight through and he drove the whole way. And he's like, man, I, he's like, I got to, you know, get a little bit of breakfast in me. So we, you know, stopped at a Taco Bell and he's eating like these little potato tacos and stuff, you know, just something he could gum down on that tooth. And so, you know, the whole thing almost blew up then you know, that's one thing, you know, another funny backstory, you know, Big Al's was pretty much, I think Big Al's might've been. So little, little context before you finish that. So yeah. in the, in the show, in the, in the, what do we call it? A show, the, the video, the film, what do we call this thing? Whatever is it, you know, the, show, yeah, show. In the show, in, in the episode, yeah. uh, Big Al's is the, is the, the, the deli, the cafe that you got that you and Lou sit down in and have some discussion. It's one of the, it's one of the sets for the show, correct? That's correct. So yeah, it was one of the locations for the show. I love Big Al. You know, shout out to Big Al. He's got this little diner deli in Nashville. Um, it's in East Nashville. You got to go see breakfast, lunch. I mean, this dude crushes it. Mismatched plates. You know stuff that you would eat on like at your grandma's house if she bought all of her silverware at like a garage sale or like a church rummage sale. So, you know, but it's awesome. The food's so good. And so I called him because I love that space. And he was like, yeah, you can come do it. He's like, I'm actually on vacation right now. So nobody's coming to the restaurant. And I thought, oh, that's perfect. We can get in there. We can light it from however we need. We could hang lights. We could take over. Like we can rearrange you know the tables and do anything so we have a full room which is amazing as a you know as a cinematography team to be able to have that kind of control so we get there on the day of shooting we walk in me and ray walk in he's like 
I we're talking to Big Al. He's like, I thought you were gonna be here at eight. You know, it was nine. We talked on the phone. We said nine. He's like, I thought you were gonna be here at eight. You know, he's like from somewhere on the East Coast, and uh, I'm from the Midwest. So I don't want to bother anybody. I'm not trying to upset anybody. Raised the same way. We're sheepish. It's like, so he's like, I thought you were gonna be here, and I'm like, oh, I thought I thought we said nine. He's like, oh, well, he's like, man, I'm on vacation. He's like, I got a wife, I got kids. He's like, I thought y'all, he's like, I was about to leave. He's like, how, how long are you going to be here? 10, 15 minutes? I'm like, we got an hour and a half of setup. We got an hour before Lou gets here, you know, and it's going to take us 45 minutes to an hour to shoot. I mean, we're going to be here. He's like, tell me right now, we're not going to be here till noon. I was like, I was like, how about 11:30? He's like, man, if I'd have known this is what you wanted to do, I would have never, I would have never agreed to this. So I was like, man, I, I got to get on camera. You know, I got to do that interview with Lou. My energy's all messed up. I can't, you know, like I'm feeling so terrible. I don't want to touch anything in the place. Like I'm, we're starting to, re I'm like, okay, no lights, no lights, no boom mics. No, we're not blocking any windows. We're not blacking out anything like two cameras, super small audio guy stays outside, you know, so I'm like trying to, to just rearrange on the fly, feeling terrible. Lou shows up an hour later and I'm like, you know, Hey, before you get in there, like he was coming in and I was like, Hey, before you get in there, he's pretty upset. Like he thought we were going to be here like a long time ago. He thought we were going to be here for like 15 minutes and Lou, he, he, you know, Lou's from Philly. So he's like, ah, fuck that guy. And I was like, you know, whatever. So we walk in and, he instantly goes up to Big Al. He's like, and they start talking football and Super Bowls from like the seventies and eighties and Philly, the Eagles and stuff. And Lou, uh, and Lou and Al are cutting it up, laughing, fist bumping, you know. And so it's just like, you know, those guys need that energy to match each other. Like me, I'm I'm here like terrified to move the mustard bottle on the dining table. Cause I'm like, dude, I just do not want to upset this guy. And then Lou gets in there and they're cutting it up. And by the end of that thing, he's like, man, that was so awesome. And you know, all this stuff. And so it's just kind of funny. I mean, that's just like, so for a minute, and like I'm staring down, like, Hey, I got to be like, well read and I got to come off. Right. Cause I'm in this scene. Like this is after the title sequence in the show, this is the first scene. So like, I got to be somewhat of a host. I got to be somewhat engaging. My energy's got to be there. Like this is the first time anybody is going to see me or Lou. So I'm like, there's got to be some, something compelling to keep that like first few minutes. But anyway, kind of funny. I hope, I hope I said that right. I don't want to ramble too much. No, no, that, that's all good. That's all good. Now the other, there's another sort of a hiccup you encountered where the opening credits, the opening sequence, it seems like the film itself is, um, you know, it's got some of that, some effects where you see the, like, I don't know what you call them, but the spots on the film that are kind of running through it, make it, give it an aged look, a, a vintage kind of feel. Was that like deliberate to set the stage for like, you know, a vintage feel because some cards are vintage or what, what, what was that all about? So one of my, one of my favorite formats to shoot on is film. So, I mean, I own a 16 millimeter Bolex, I own a 35 millimeter camera. So, you know, you're talking like nineties classics, you know, you know, relevant for today, like field of dreams and movies like that, you know, movies back then they didn't have digital, so they had to shoot everything on film. And uh, so I wanted to shoot on film cause it's like that, 
that fits that period of like 90s, mid 90s and like nostalgia for like people from my generation and maybe even a little bit older than me, like that's the texture of that time. And it instantly shoots you back to this like beauty and warmth. And there's such an organic nature to film that just kind of draws you to its texture. So we wanted to shoot on film and shooting on film, super expensive. I mean, I think Ray and I, we shot 1600 feet, which, you know, buying the film stock, getting it developed, getting it scanned. I mean, it's probably close to like $3,000 in cost, you know, to shoot that much film. And I knew I wanted the opening title sequence to be on film, you know, that kind of sets the tone, you know, that song, it's like, you know, that, that vibe just worked. And I, you know, that first minute 20 is like, you know, a great opening tone for the, for the whole show. So, um, I called the lab when I sent the film and I said, Hey, I'm on a tight turnaround. I mean, we shot it July 6th. I'm trying to get it out before the national, which was like, what, July 28th. Yeah. So I shipped the film the second we shot it. I said, Hey, what's the turnaround time on, you know, this film three to five days. It's like, Oh my God, that's awesome. I'm going to be able to get this thing crushed out in no time, you know, get the edit all done and everything. So a two, a week goes by, I hear nothing back. Two weeks go by. I start to, you know, I'm like, Hey man, he's through like three to five days. What's going on? He's like, Hey, I'm going to, uh, it's going to get scanned tomorrow. I was like, okay, I'll send you a link to download it. I was like, nothing. Hey man, we didn't have the right chemistry. So we're actually going to do it next week. You know, and now we're getting into like mid August. I put July on the teasers. The nationals done and gone. And I'm still sitting around. I ain't got no film. I can't get the opening title sequence. I have nothing to put there. And that song has to be in there. You know, that, uh, you know, didn't I, you know, Durando. Um, and, you know, weeks, weeks, weeks go by. And then the guy's like, okay, we're going to scan it tomorrow. We got the chemistry, all this stuff. So everything with that, you know, three weeks, Lou's calling me. Hey, when's it coming out? You know, are you, I'm excited. Like, man, I'm waiting on the film back from the lab. They scan it in. Something breaks in the scanner. It shoots all that, like, it shoots little particles of film all over the front of the thing. Like, I, we shot probably 20 minutes or so of film. I probably got eight minutes of it back. The rest of it was just completely damaged. And so all that stuff in the middle of the frame was just like fragments of stuff that got chipped and thrown into the scanner. The scanner seized up on them. And they're like, you know, after I'm waiting four weeks and then he texts me, he's like, hey, this is, you know, this is terrible. I hate to say this. He's like, but the thing got damaged, you know, and, you know, this Steve guy and this and that, like all this stuff I don't care about. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I got the film back, you know, and it, it was OK. I mean, it, you know, it was I wanted tasteful beauty out of it. It wasn't like, you know, when you go too grungy with film, it's almost like kind of kitschy. Or kind of like, you know, it's like, all right, I get it. But I wanted it to just be beautiful, you know. I wanted it to just be nostalgic and beautiful. I didn't want it to be too overplayed with too much scratches and too much glitz and whatever. But it worked out. I mean, I, you know, they, they felt terrible, got it all, you know, comped for nothing. And so I'm like, you know what? Okay, we can well, have you know, it. I, when yeah. I saw it, I thought it was... I thought it was part of it. I thought it was part of the creative and uh, deliberate and all that. And so uh, to hear that it isn't is a little bit kind of surprising, but I, but it makes sense, you know, that, that these things happen and, and yeah, really good on you for rolling with it and still salvaging and uh, 
did you know from the viewer's perspective that didn't happen you know what i mean we we couldn't tell so but it's it's fun to have you on and to to hear about some of these uh these kind of behind the scenes stories and challenges that you had any any sort of surprises through the process for you um you know you know in the film world you kind of call them happy accidents so i had my nephews like the three kids scene you know my nephews and then that's my daughter snow which was you know snow scout she's saying that she loved me she was up watching this so she got to go to bed so shout out snow yeah so snow so my nephews and snow we shot at the sick modern house in ohio you know shout out to paul and and jen you know for letting me shoot there but that little like Caden, my nephew, that little like when the Smashing Pumpkin song comes on and then he's like lifts his head up and then shows his brother that card. Like, I didn't tell him that I, these kids aren't used to being on camera. And, you know, it was it was a little bit of a struggle early on. But like and then that hit that beat like n- nearly perfect on that Smashing Pumpkin song to close it out. It's like those happy accidents. Like that's the sickest stuff that it's like, you just cannot plan that. And I, you know, those beats like hitting on that beat and that vibe and that emotion to it. And you know, I knew I always wanted to have that scene just for the nostalgia of like, you know, a good comedian, they'll like open with a joke and then they'll close with a back reference to that opening thing. So it's like, I open with the kids and the packs and the wrestling cards. And then we close with them. Cause it's like, that's where it starts. That's where it's heading. You know, like, the kids, the youth, you know, the nostalgia for us when we were kids, that's how we feel. A lot of us came back because we're trying to like preserve that child, you know, magic that we all felt with cards. And so, you know, that was the open and, you know, that was the close. So, yeah, that was really cool. I'm going to go to this comment from Milan says every week, it feels like great things come out of this hobby. Congrats, Aaron, on the great, great piece, amazing production and great story. Yeah, that's really nice. Thank you. And always a pleasure to see you, Milan. Tom Bullard, welcome. Says Hobby definitely has a great community. No doubt, no doubt. So I'm here's a here's a totally different question for you now, Aaron. What did you learn about the world of the what did you learn about the ultra high-end world of sports cards? Like, did it, you know, you you were you were working with with uh, with Lou, uh with court i mean these guys play in the world of high-end cards i i i've met lou i don't know him very well i met him at at a toronto expo several years ago um i don't i've never met court i'm not too familiar with with him the other the other gentleman that was in the kitchen scene i meant to ask you whose kitchen was that Uh, that was at lou's house that's lou's yeah beautiful kitchen uh but you know what did you learn about the ultra high-end uh sports card world that you didn't know going into the filming I think that um, I learned that these guys have solidified a place within the hobby of notoriety to where people come to them because they know that they, you know, have the budget for it, have the ability to do it. So they're solidified key guys in the hobby. So they are seeing or getting access to the stuff that most people don't you know like there's a there's a deleted scene i'm thinking about putting out some scenes because there was a lot of really good stuff you know from you know, not really de- yeah deleted scenes you know there was a lot of really good stuff that they said and um i think court talked about you know the fact that 
a guy went to Lou directly about that autograph buyback of Jordan. You know, you're talking about a hand numbered rookie card of Jordan autographed by Jordan, you know, so most people don't even know that that card exists and a guy went to Lou. So like the equity alone in that position of where somebody's coming to you, it's not, you know, it's not like, Oh, everybody saw a big card go up on eBay. Everybody saw that what it got paid for. It's like you're there's unicorn cards like the Pele Americana. Like nobody even knows about that. And Super Trout Court, he has one. There's eight. That's a six. Like four of them are PSA ones. It's like, dude, that stuff is like important, iconic stuff. They focus on that. Best card, best player. Best card, best player. Yeah. Gordon, best card, this best card, best player. And uh, you know, that's something that they were saying best card that you can afford, best grade that you can afford it in boom, done and done, you know, where, you know, where a lot, you know, it's like, it, it helped me focus on like, even for my own collection, what's important, like what's my little lane and what's important. And you know, if you're gonna, but you know, there's a million ways to play it. That's just how those guys play it. That's what I learned specifically from them. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, after I put out the uh, the Instagram story that I was having shows tonight and having you on, uh, Lou reached out. We ended up texting back and forth on Instagram, and he asked me what was your favorite part of the of the show. And I was like, you know, I, I think I said it was the it was the kitchen scene because it was just some good conversation. But now that I'm thinking about it more, I have a I'm going to revise my answer. Sweet. My favorite part of the whole episode is when Lou says to uh, who's the seller ryan i think yeah. he's on the phone with ryan Lou's walk he's on the phone he's walking he's in maybe his house or wherever he is and he said this is my favorite part when he says yeah I'm, I'm i'm gonna make you an offer like that part right there where he says i'm going to make you an offer is like the seller at that point is like all right here we go like game on we're about to start a negotiation or you know especially when as you said the seller reaches out to lou specifically targets Lou as your as the potential buyer of the card knowing or or understanding or hearing that Lou can 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 this is a card that's in in play for him and uh and he, he makes that comment all right I'm gonna make you an offer doesn't doesn't make the offer doesn't say what it is doesn't ask for a quote just I'm going to make an offer that the more I think about it the more I really like that particular moment in the film and now with, with me telling you this Aaron that that was kind of my favorite part of the of, of the, the show what did that part mean to you like do you think it was a highlight as well yeah I mean I love that you know I love that scene I mean that Mac Miller song programs you know that was like my girlfriend and I when we were going through the music you know which is where we always start like soundtrack and vibe and just like you know the feel of it so that song was one of the first songs that we had come up with we'd been like man the energy in this and you know mac miller just a super awesome dude and you know so it was like that was such a good cliffhanger scene you know and so just bumping right into that song and then you know kind of cutting it was like you know foreshadowing then that later phone conversation in the car so and that one of those scenes was like the first scenes that we kind of had to re like we had to reenact that scene. So it was like Lou was like doing something I was telling him to do, you know, we kind of, that's a faked phone call. So, you know, and it was like, dude, you know, this guy's got chops. Like they were good. Like when we were shooting 
the kitchen scene, it's like, dude, these guys are good. Like court, some of his reactions during that thing of just like, you know, his eye movements and, you know, Hey, that 97, you know, it's like, yeah. these guys are good. Like it's translating. And I, I loved it. But like most people don't know Lou, he was actually like a childhood, like a child actor. So wow. he was, yeah. And he was the orangutan in Dunstan checks in that was like a monkey suit and he, yeah. So that's pretty sick. I'm just kidding. But anyway, uh, that kitchen scene, like me and my girlfriend, we were editing it. She was like, so hold on. He was not a child actor. You made that all up. Yeah. I made that up. Sorry. All right. All right. Just run just that. Clear. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but, uh, that kitchen scene, like we were cutting it making sure that it was like flowing and stuff. And my girlfriend, every time she's like, man, these guys like Lou is so good. Like she's just like obsessed with Lou. She's like, oh, he just seems like the nicest guy. And she's like, man, Lou is just so genuine. He's just such an awesome guy. And she's like, cool, man, these guys were so good. And honestly, people that aren't on camera can be absolutely terrible. I mean, I'm not, e they were better than me. I'm not even that good on camera and they were awesome. Like shout out to them. Lou is an awesome dude. I can't imagine doing it with anybody else to start. They were so strong, super compelling. And they nailed that, that scene. And, you know, even, even when I asked Lou to kind of do things that, I mean, his, he had nervous energy when I was asking him to do stuff. And then when we shot, he was on and it all, and it worked, you know, like I don't, there's not one scene, you know, that like, didn't land and di didn't like have that, like, you know, real life feel of like, you know, he's really delivering something. He's not overdoing it. He's not overplaying it. His cadence is right. His tone is right. So, you know, I love Lou and, you know, even court. I, I love those guys. Those guys were so good in this and that does not happen. Try filming your, yeah. try getting on like an Instagram video and like try to be cool like that and react and like seem comfortable like that's not easy to do for people that aren't used to being on camera. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I got to agree. I, I thought, I thought Lou, Lou had more, more screen time than, than court did. Uh, court was, was, was good for sure. Lou, I thought was really good because, and now that you tell me that the, I'm going to make an offer scene wasn't a real phone call. I thought it was. So that's how good it was that I was completely believing what I was watching, you know? So, well done, uh, all of you. And it takes direction. You know, a good a good actor needs a good director. So that's a um, shout out to to you on that. So the the this whole project, you know, you, this was the pilot episode. Was this just for proof of concept? I mean, you said earlier that there are there is another gear here, uh, but really, what's the what's the plan? You know, so, uh, Frankie asked, "What's this? Frankie or was it Frankie?" Someone asked, "What's the plan for the series?" Or um, what is your long-term view of the series? Frankie Gonzalez asked. So I'll put that to you. What What is the long-term plan here? Um, I think, I mean, I've always had the next, I've always had it like a 10 episode package in mind, like for a season one. I mean, that that's exactly what I want to do. I have some people in mind, you know, I've been, I've been toying with the idea of like, okay, hobby dons, like hobby doesn't necessarily mean cards exactly. So, you know, hobby players, like, you know, whether it, whether it kind of stays in this world for a couple of episodes, like, you know, I've got some people in mind and, you know, whether it kind of branches out into other things, but, you know, I wanted to have that entourage feel, you know, just 
you know, like the old HBO series and, you know, uh, you know, have that narrative slash documentary, you know, feeling of where it kind of, you know, it just, it has an elevated storyline and, you know, that kind of a thing. And maybe some cameos with some of the, you know, key people that we all kind of like, you know, look up to within the hobby. And, you know, so I want it to be sick. Like I, I wanted to, like I was telling Lou, I was like, I just want to do something cool, man. Like, you know, I, I was trying to hit that void of like, you know, like when you watch girls on HBO or you watch old Sopranos episodes or you watch Entourage or stuff like that, it's like you're trying to figure out what soundtracks that they use because the stuff just works, you know, like old Sopranos episodes, you're like going to your phone. Hey, you know, Siri, what is this song? You know, it's Mazzy star. It's this, it's that like sick stuff. Like, that is a gift in and of itself. So that always was a big part of this series. And, you know, just trying to get the most interesting people that have awesome, you know, stories and just be super entertaining and allow people that aren't necessarily in the card world to also engage and enjoy. You know, I, I, I told, you know, I said, keep the slang out of it. Like, you know, pop this and golden auctions, this and that, like people aren't going to know, like I, I, there's another side of the audience that has to keep up. Like, I think the kitchen scene with the Pele and all that stuff, like I didn't want that to lose somebody that didn't really know much about cards. Cause that's probably the most like detailed portion of the show where the rest of it is kind of like entertaining and it flows really well that that scene was in there for the hobby guys you know like really getting into the bowels of what cards are important and why and what sh what you should be looking for if you know if that's the lane you want to go in but you know sick music you got this new wave of creatives and entrepreneurs you know i've said josh luber already you got you know different people that come from different backgrounds like skateboard world sneaker world hip-hop world you know pro athletes like I want to make something that they would watch. People want to share cool stuff. And I just wanted to make something cool to where a guy like Bill Simmons, who collects cards, you know, he, he sponsors, you know, the ringer does sports cards nonsense, you know, shout out Mike Geo and Jesse, you know, so I want to make something that Bill Simmons wants to watch. Cause those guys like watching stuff, Darren Ravel, you know, Nat Turner, like I wanted, I wanted to make something that appealed to them or like a, a Virgil, you know, like Smashing Pumpkins, Mac Miller, you know, old school stuff like the soundtrack and just the imagery and just like I want to I want to show that I understand tone and taste, right. you know, so it's like, OK, let's hit that. And I want to back up and say just because that's my thing doesn't mean that that other YouTube stuff like I remember early on, like, I mean, Chris and Josh at Card Ladder. I, I watched a lot of their stuff when I was first coming back to the hobby. Shout out to them. You know, they've been super nice to me. I met Josh at the national. Chris has been super nice to me. He doesn't have to be, he's just always responded and been a gracious person, but like silver Jackify on YouTube, JM cards, LA, like there's dudes that do the phone kind of content. And I, I watched that when I first came back and I like those guys like JM cards, LA. I, I like him. He's, he's not trying to do anything too sexy and, but he's, he's educational. He knows, he knows the stuff. So, you know, just because I'm doing this style, you know, I don't have to knock something else just to put myself up. It's just, we all fit 
it's not a zero sum game. We just bring the best of our ideas and whatever, whatever that is, it'll all serves a purpose and there's enough to go around for everybody. So I just shout those guys out too. Yeah, no, all, all great shout outs for sure. Um, I want to bring, so I want to bring Frankie's question on, we talked about the long-term view. Uh, Then he says, what are you looking to accomplish with it in terms of the hobby? And you kind of, you kind of have touched on that, but, I want to be really clear um, to, to Frankie's question that like, because what I'm, what I'm gathering is that, you know, you didn't, you're not doing this for the super sophisticated. Well, I shouldn't say that you're not only doing this for the super sophisticated experienced collector. You're, you're trying to be able to have something in there for everybody. Somebody who's not a collector yet. Somebody who has been somebody who's a very advanced collector. And that's why you, you don't fo- you didn't focus on those ca- on those cards too too much because you don't want to lose the new person or or the 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 you know the person who's not really engulfed entrenched in the hobby yet but you also did put a piece in there for that for the the true experience or advanced hobbyist is that kind of correct or how would you how would you uh expand on that i mean you know the only thing the only thing i'll speak to is the the way that I've thought about it and all that I wanted to do was entertain and educate. And like, I was like, okay, I want them to eaves. I want them to eavesdrop on a scene of two high end guys talking about how they approach this stuff. Like I watch a podcast, all in podcast, David Sachs, Chamath. Like these are like the biggest entrepreneurs, biggest investors. They run companies and like the amount of information that you can learn from just like listening to guys like that banter back and forth is remarkable. It's free content, you know, that kind of a thing. So I took that inspiration of, dude, let them speak their knowledge so that people can get educated. If you know, that's the route that they want to take. I just want them. I just wanted people to be entertained and educated, you know, so I, and it to be something that people want to watch want to share are excited you know when people are excited about stuff because it's like there's a piece of them in it like yeah this is you know like this is my voice as a filmmaker this is my style like i had to put myself out like this and i knew that there was enough people that listen to awesome music that like watching cool stuff that like the way that the production was going to be i knew that it would land well because people like well done, well thought through stuff. And like, it's motivated content. Like there is some storytelling to it, you know? And so I, 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 I figured that it would connect because people are cool. People do cool stuff. People are creative. They're not, not everybody is the bad egg on Facebook. Like there's still a lot of super cool people and they want to be communicated to, they want to, you know, they want to be a part of the cool stuff that's happening. So, you know, yeah, that's what I wanted for the hobby. I wanted people on the outside to look in and not think of what they thought a sports card owner would look like, like right. thousands of cards. You know, I almost made that joke in, in hobby dons when I was interviewing, I actually did. We probably cut it, but um, I was like, okay, so, you know, I was going to talk about, all right, so you're going to show me the man cave, you know, which is probably what most people think just cards everywhere and a bunch of boxes and jerseys. And I got this room and it's all decorated and you know, my bed sheets are Michael Jordan and I got these, 
you know, Scotty Pippen pajamas and stuff, but it's not like that. Like this is, this is day trading. This is financial dudes. I mean, Gary V's no slouch. Like these dudes are smart. Jason Koontz, they're not slouches. Dan Fleshman's not a slouch. These dudes were like, they're double sharp. They're super sharp dudes. So they needed, they needed, you know, I was trying, you know, that's what I was trying to do is like, get my style out, get my voice out. This is my perspective. This is what I think is cool. And I, I just have this strong sense that it's just going to land with this new crowd. Is your mind spinning on what's next? Like, do you, like, I know I've asked you, I can't really get a straight answer out of you. Is episode two, is it in the works, even in your head? Is it started? Where, when can we expect to see the, 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 the sequel or the, or the next episode? Uh, I mean, you know, things are moving fast. I've had some really good phone conversations with some, you know, bigger entities and, you know, talking about doing it at a little bit of a larger scale. So, you know, I have my style, like if I was self-funded, you know, I, I almost told myself like, I'll do three of them, you know, myself and, you know, just cr- like get the first one out, you know, and then I had people in mind for two and three or maybe four you know, that I would do myself, but you know, it got such a strong response where I'm like, okay, I can, you know, like I, I have options. And if we can like elevate across the board, I mean, you need, you know, for filmmaking, the two biggest things are like time and money, you know, like how much time do you have? How many days can you shoot? And what's your budget, you know, which typically budgets the most important. So it's like, if you get properly funded, it's like, that's that next gear, you know, that's that next gear that I'm talking about of where you get into the right network of people. It's like, okay, if, if nothing is off limits and I'm pitching my full vision of what the next episode is like, I mean, you know, it can, you know, who's to say where it could go, but you know, it's just like, I I just wanted to put myself out there. I wanted to say, Hey, this is, this is how I think this is what my upbringing brought me to. This is, you know, this is trans world skateboarding videos from back in eighth grade. This is traveling across the country, being in Brazil. You know, I I traveled with a band when I was like 19 and 20. We were in Brazil. There was 10,000 kids. I mean, this is like before Instagram was even a thing. And like I was a cinematographer on the road at like 19. You know, I was on all the time. I was in Brazil. I was in South Africa. I was in Australia. I was in Paris. I was in Italy. I mean, I, we shot a documentary, you know, in Italy and, in you know, all over the place for like 17 days. And I was in my like early twenties. So, you know, it was pretty crazy. Like thinking back on those days of like, you know, that was kind of what formed me, you know, formed me into this. And I, this is the first time where I'm like, yo, this is Aaron rich. This is Aaron rich sauce. Put it out. This is me saying something, you know, and there's, there's a few other ideas, you know, that I've still been sitting on. I mean, I've had, you know, different ideas for a lot of years. So it's just like, okay, this is, you know, this is who I am. I hope, you know, I, I yeah, just, well, I can't, I mean, I think I speak for everybody that watched the first one. Cause I mean, you have to have liked it if you saw it, just can't wait to see what's uh, what comes next. So uh, I do want to say, I want to welcome uh, Troy Hohen. Thanks for all the great content. Catching my first live tonight as I just got back from work. Usually I'm watching back on Sunday. I love when someone who, uh, it's when they catch the the show live for the first time and makes a comment. So Troy, great to have you. Welcome to the first live and just uh, happy to have you as a viewer for all this time. Thank you so much. Tom Bullard, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to checking the Hobby Dons out. 
do it. Tom, I'm sure uh, it was, you know, it was such a, it was just fun to watch it. Troy, Troy says my ma my man cave might somewhat resemble what you were referring to. <laughs> so that means he has uh, Michael Jordan sheets on his bed too, Troy, don't you? So, okay. I want to go back to the deal for the MJ that, 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 uh, uh, that was made by Lou and, you know, Talk a bit about the timing of the deal itself and why there wasn't more behind the scenes footage around the negotiations that went into it. So we saw the the, the phone call you talked about with him saying, let's make a deal. But um, but yeah, why why don't we why in the film don't we see more of that kind of behind the scenes negotiation? And, and uh, how was that? How did that timing all work for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, time, you know, the amount of time that you have to work on something. I mean, we, we shot in two days. So, you know, um, it, it's not like I'm just following Lou 24-7. You know, we, we have different lives. And, you know, it was it was a shorter time period that we could spend together, you know, in the trenches doing this, you know, that intense. You know, it's an intense process. You know, there's it's very emotional. So, you know, I mean, we did the best that we could. I mean you know, sometimes in real life, a lot of this stuff is pretty unsexy. You know, I felt like I'm not going to go like too over the top with it, even though I know that, you know, that's what we all, you know, that's what we all kind of want. But most of the time it's not, it doesn't really play out like that in real life. So, you know, yeah, I would have loved to have like, you know, recreated, you know, different parts of it and flown and been with Ryan. And, you know, like, I, of course I would love, love to do, you know, if you're talking about developing the story one level deeper, I mean, that, that's something that was in my mind of like, we got to get, you know, Ryan, but you know, it's just like the way things are right now and travel and just, you know, you know, different restrictions and things that you got to overcome. It was like, you know, maybe, maybe, we can just kind of like do it with what we have and, you know, capture what we can and just try to like make that scene still land. I mean, you know, I hope that that, you know, lose all uncomfortable on the phone. And then we got them little title cards, you know, talking about, Hey, if you can pull this off and this, you know, the valuation of what it is, it's like, you know, you'd be nervous too if you bought a raw card for like, you know, a lot of money and you're like sweating it to come back. Cause you know, you, you want it to be, I mean, there was there was parameters in place that this deal was contingent on a grade so it's not like he just bought it blind and then like was like oh, if it comes back altered or missed min size or you know it's like he didn't have that but i'm just saying you're sweating a lot of money and you know so it was like i wanted to get a little bit of that tension in there i would have loved to have gotten more behind the scenes and like kind of get that developed and make that a little bit juicier but you know we did with what we could with the time that we have. And like I said, sometimes it's just more unsexy in real life. And, you know, it was a lot of phone calls and that's about it, you know, so we did what we could. So there was, there was some attention given to the value of, of, of the cards. I think there was a, um, I guess a title screen kind of saying that the potential value of, of the, of that pair of cards, I think it said $6 million. Is that right? Yeah. Um, on there. What, why was that for you as the filmmaker? Why was that important to, uh, to, for the message and the expression? Um, I mean, you know, for somebody that's not used to cards, it was like, you know, you kind of, maybe they've seen some of the headlines of some of the top sales and stuff. But if you, if you went to somebody that is like, you know, sometimes we get so entrenched in the hobby that we think everybody 
is that knowledgeable about it, but like there's a whole other world happening around us where people are just like still oblivious to it. So it's like, you know, I wanted to legitimize the hobby by being like, yo, there's big players here. Like this is different than what you probably think. So I wanted that price of just like the casual viewer, like that doesn't really know this stuff. So like, what? Like price is everything to them. So like, you know, if I didn't put it in there, it'd be like, you know, if somebody was just watching, they'd be like, well, what's it worth? Like, you know, do I have one of those? You know, like I had my shoe box. Like, I wonder if I, you know, that whole thing of like, you know, people want to know price because that's just like our inherent like impulse is to just. So I put that in there for more of the casual viewer that just doesn't have a grasp on how this market is like blown up of like, you know, people are spending three, four million dollars on cards now. And it's just, you know, you know, the antiques roadshow thing of like, you know, the valuation is what? Like she found it in her basement. She got it at a garage sale for a quarter. This thing's worth $10,000, you know? So it's like some of that Pele stuff and, you know, just the MJ. It's like, I'm not, clearly I'm not on like the investment speculation side of like 10 cards to buy, you know? I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but that's just not. So just a follow-up question. I mean, because I don't know, uh, and I don't know what what Lou paid for the autograph or what the uh, 97, 96, 97 jersey autograph is is worth. But where did the six million dollar figure come from? Like, well, did you, you you didn't make that up, right? No, I didn't make that up. Um, I mean, there was a sale of the Jordan. 97 game jersey out of 23 that was just north of 2 million i think golden saw sold it you know and that was like a couple months ago so things weren't so hot you know people's you know people's uh mindset about the hobby was not in a good place so you know the 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 demand had kind of weaned you know people were like you know not so gung-ho to just like do everything that they were doing back in December and January. So, you know, it was just like a heat check, you know, like NBA jam, you know, it was just like had to heat check people for a second. And uh, so, you know, you got that, you got that number, you know, for the 2 million, this is a three color patch. It's, you know, number six out of 23, Jordan had six championships, you know, that's, there's some significance to it. And then, you know, you're talking about that, you know, the, the, autograph buyback you're talking about an 86 Fleer michael jordan rookie that was hand numbered to 23 autographed you know if a psa 10 no auto can get you know 730 800 you know you're talking about an out of 23 autograph rookie that most people don't know about you know it's like that's gotta be pretty close you know so i mean i i i checked that with different people and you know it felt like that was a decent figure and so you did so i find that real i i love to hear that that you check that with different people because you know when you flash a number up there there's there's uh you know it, it certainly is eye-opening to to the 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 uninitiated in the hobby and it, and at that point it doesn't really matter like you plus or minus a million dollars uh what's it's out of reach for most people anyway but for the people that are sophisticated in the hobby that know these things, you know, a lot of people are just sort of prone to question it, to question that that valuation and how did that come about? So, you know, but as, as you're a filmmaker, you know, you're not you're not trading two mil, two, three, four million dollar cards. At least I don't I don't think you are. So 
it's nice to know that you did sort of uh, vet that with with some people. And, you know, and even even Lou, like if, if, if they're Lou's cards, you don't want to just take Lou's valuation for it. you want to kind of have it backed up a little bit. So it's it's nice to hear that that you uh, that you did do that. Yeah, it was, you know, a cross pollination from different circles. So it felt like, you know, there was some legitimacy to it. You know, even Lou, you know, kind of alluded to it, you know, that theory of relativity that, you know, that court was talking about. It's like, okay, if Curry's best card is this, if LeBron's best card is this, like, like I'm saying, you know, you don't have, you don't have as many comps to deal with at that level. So it's like, okay, if, you know, you're talking about Michael Jordan and his legacy, like, Every, every generation wants their guy, you know, and LeBron and, you know, the legacy that he has. I mean, I love LeBron. I'm Ohio native. I mean, he, he was playing games at the field house in Canton, like 30 minutes from where we grew up. So we knew about LeBron way back in the day, like when we, when we were in high school and just a total freak and, you know, just amazing. So, you know, an amazing legacy, people can say whatever they want, but you know, there's, there's, there's generational talents and they're, few and far between and you know if you're talking about michael jordan it's like you know there's definitely a massive legacy there so you know whatever it's worth you know just just you know on a relative yeah. basis towards other players and other figures yeah you know? at the end of the day it's a it's it's hobby it's it's i won't even say it's hobby entertainment it's entertainment it's an artistic expression uh, you're a filmmaker uh, I think it's cool. I'm just glad that you're focusing on the hobby. I, again, I thought it was really well done, Aaron. I, I I really enjoyed it. I know that so many other people did too. And I I really, I really, really hope, I pray that there's going to be, that you're going to fill these these 10 episodes in season one. And who know, And right now the hobby is prime for something like this. So I think you will. I, I think I, I, I'm, I'm hoping for and expecting uh, big things out of you. So keep it up. Don't, you know, take your own advice, right? Just keep it up. Don't stop. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, let's, let, let's see more, you know, speaking of more, and I know we've talked about, you know, what could come in future episodes. Have you in your mind, I'm not at no, no, no teasers or spoilers, but have you thought about like, there, there are some people out there with really rare type of collections, valuable collections, hobby dons, if you will, would you ever consider, showcasing some of these collections on episodes you know versus like i loved i loved the transactional based theme to this to this episode people you know that that was that was very enjoyable and entertaining would you ever do something where you're just you know focusing on a a, a high-end rare collection and find a story from that yeah i mean 100 percent. i mean you know just based on what you've seen so far it's like you know that was that was specific to lose story like the pairing you know court's pele pairing is a foreshadowing to lou the transition or you know the transaction of lou coming into two cards you know so it's like that all builds on itself and that was just specific to Lou's situation. So, you know, me, I'm going to be diverse. I'm going to be flexible. I mean, the story is going to present itself to me. And then as a director, I'm going to figure out how to best tell a story. I mean, it might, they, you know, the style is going to be the same because that's just my taste level and like sick music and, you know, the soundtracks are going to be there. And I want people like, you know, trying to figure out, you know, or just being like blown away just by the music and the feeling and just feeling inspired and stuff. But, you know, as a director, it's my job to just like, okay, what makes, 
this story extraordinary and we're going to like, we're going to put, that's what we're, how we're going to display this next person or this next collection. Like it might be completely different, you know, not completely different. It's still going to have that same feel, but each guy is different. Each story is completely different. So, you know, you just, you just figure out the most creative way to tell who somebody is and their personality type and, you know, the music selections that you pick and the this and the that, I mean, it all, that's the artistry behind it is like you're, you're set putting out a tone, you're putting out imagery that fit specific to just this person. So, yeah. yeah I mean, all right. Great answer, man. I just, I love it because it keeps us so wide open for what we can expect uh, for, for future episodes. Uh, okay, man. Well, listen, I'm going to go to some comments here. Mike Petty has it locked and loaded, ready to watch. Toa Hang is here joining us. Toa, good evening. Good evening to you. Fleet market mixtapes and getting to optic baseball, especially rated rookies. Thanks for the thanks for the info, flea market mixtape, and welcome. Troy says pulling in viewers who are not hobby veterans is key. Sports participation grows in sports that gain popularity, like Olympics. People migrate to movie topics that are popular. More eyes on the hobby is key. I think that makes sense. Toa says theatric theatricality. Is that a word? Theatricality. Theatrically and deception are powerful agents to the uninitiated. Bane. All right. Thank you, Toa, for the quote. ACL Cardboard, David Gamble, joining late. It's not quite Saturday night. Special Tuesday episodes this evening. Welcome to the show, David Gamble. And Frankie says, uh, your style is definitely on point. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, so did I, Frankie. Spurs Cards 21, good evening to you. <laughs> What's this? I got to read this. Mike Petty says, you can call it hobby dope. I only have a $1 million collection, so I can star. The time I paid 15000 cash for hundreds of my 52 mantles over lunch. Thank God it's Friday. Could be an episode, LOL. I think I think you're you're high on Aaron's list for a subject uh, for an upcoming episode, Mike Petty. <laughs> All right. Aaron, I mean, I think we've gone through everything that I, that I was hoping to get through uh, with you tonight but i do want to ask you is there anything else that you want the audience to know or to uh about yourself about the about hobby dons the pilot the youtube channel anything else yeah i think you know my childhood you know the the kind of og don you know that i that i grew up watching and learning from was my grandpa you know billy rich papa um he was a coin collector. He was a collector of everything. He was a poker player. He was a golfer. He was a trap shooter. You know, this guy was a, he was a hustler. I mean, he's like a, you know, a kiss your, he was kissing his friends on the cheek type of guy, you know, like he's like five, five, but you don't want to mess with him and he, he'll work harder than anybody. He was a big practicer. So, you know, I'm kind of more like an old soul, you know, he was my best friend. I was like 10, you know, and, uh, we would hang out. We'd play poker. He'd teach me about cards. He, we'd be listening to Frank Sinatra, you know? So I got this like OG Don thing from him. Cause he was like, you know, he, he was awesome. And, you know, we played baseball, you know, he was like hitting coach, conditioning coach, you know, we'd be taking flies and grounders and going to camps and hitting, you know, hitting instructors and pitching instructors and stuff. So, you know, he was the dude early on that was like, you know, you can do anything, you know, and he would go to his friends. He'd be like, you got to see this kid run, 
It's like, this kid could be an Olympic runner. He's like, this kid could do anything. He's like, he'll chase down a fly ball anywhere. You know? So it was like, he empowered me to like believe in myself when I was like, I was raised pretty conservative and my background is, you know, you know, different than what most people just from the Midwest, you know, then this like creative mindset of like, you know, you can dream up ideas, you can put yourself out there, you think outside the box. So it's like, I never really fit in, but I think maybe there was something that he saw in me early on where he just like grew that thing within me. Um, and you know, he encouraged me to just do it, you know, do it. He's like, this kid can do anything. Like, and you know, I got into skateboarding, you know, and I kind of gave up on baseball, which was kind of bad you know, our relationship kind of really suffered after that because we had spent so much time and effort in baseball. And, you know, then it was just like I got into junior high and high school and started skateboarding and like going in a different direction. And so, you know, we didn't talk for a long time. And But, you know, we're cool now. Like I go over and cook, you know, we cook meals together and stuff. And, you know, it's awesome. But he was the, he was the Don, like, you know, he's got coins everywhere and he's you know here's a story that i was going to tell when i was a kid he he's like you're going to be a collector okay and he gave me a ren and stimpy dartboard okay it was like this little like suction cup dartboard ren and stimpy i lived right down the road from him my parents you know we were right down the road so he gave me this thing and i got home and you know he's like you got to keep everything in the wrapper like that's how you collect you don't touch anything like he had like cereal box prizes like you know little flip books and yeah that stuff everywhere and it's just like when you're a kid the colors and just like looney tunes cars hot wheels in the case still it's like the allure just like opening that stuff is unbearable so he was like trying to teach me how to refrain from opening stuff gave me the ren and stimpy dartboard i ran down to my mom's i'm like looking at her i'm like i gotta open this thing i gotta play with this thing i'm like i don't want to be a collector <laughs> so my mom always you know she reminds me that i mean i haven't thought of that story for years but when i was thinking about this last night i was like i gotta tell that story about you know how my grandpa was trying to get me to be a collector and i was just like man i just i mean i took it out of the wrapper i played with it and then i felt like so bad because i was like man i let him down but I think he probably knew that. So, you know, he didn't give me anything too special, but that's the guy. I mean, he, he taught me a ton and, you know, he crafted my mentality and uh, it's just carrying me, you know, through life. And I love that. The, the old soul thing. I mean, my friends, have, I mean, I, when I was 10, I hung out with him. He was in his sixties. I mean, he, they had a hotel. They were, he was a bookie for football, you know, like, DraftKings and all this stuff that's now like in the Midwest in the 60s and 70s you're not you know you're not supposed to be taking football bets with the post office workers and the milkman and the this and the that they were running a, you know they were running an operation in the basement of the St. Paul hotel that they had they were playing poker games down there I mean they tried to hit my they tried to hit them with a Rico you know so they had the Don thing like they were Italians they were serious like I said he's kissing his friends on the cheek no, it's not a joke. And my dad, like, at, you know, when I told him I was doing this interview, he's like, I think this is probably the first interview in our family that isn't under oath. It's kind of hilarious. But, uh, yeah, so. uh, too funny. Well, I, I, I hope, I hope your family, I hope, I hope uh, Billy, Billy Rich, is that what you said? I hope Billy Rich is watching. I hope your dad's watching and they all uh, enjoyed this uh, non under oath interview and discussion that we've been able to have 
I definitely, uh, Mike Petty says, great story about Gramps. Happy, happy, joy, joy. There's a Ren and Stimpy reference right there. So, no, I, I, it's really nice that you uh, kind of close off the the show here tonight with a, with a personal story. Because uh, that's how we get to know you, is by hearing about how you were formed. Like how, you know, what the people that influenced you to be who you are, that gave you the confidence to jump on a skateboard, that gave you the confidence to put yourself out there and, and create this 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 film, this show, and uh, and to give you the confidence to keep on going uh, and, and continue through. Yeah, if I could say something to that, like, you know, I, I always had a strong belief in myself. I always wanted to do something like this. It took a lot for me to overcome this. Like I said, I grew up pretty conservative, so I was kind of afraid of my own ideas for a long time. Like, I, I was fearful that I didn't want to put something out that would rub somebody the wrong way. I was just scared, you know, and like, I mean, I'm not like that anymore, but, you know, I, I just, I always want to say, like, if I ever had a chance to, like, have influence, like, shout out to, like, all the smaller roles, like, even film dudes, or if you're working at a company and, like, you got all these hot shots and they're influencers and they're, you know, people of notoriety, like, sometimes they just ignore the little guy. And like, it's painful to be the little guy that like you have ideas and you want to be seen. And like, you know, I've been on sets with people that people, you know, that people love and they look up to them and they just kind of like treat people like shit. Like, and I always wanted to be the guy, like if I was going to walk onto a set, I'm talking to the PAs. I want to talk to like the little guys on set because those people, it's painful to not get your moment of opportunity especially when you have, you know, good, you have ideas and, you know, you want to do something with it. So, you know, I always wanted to go to those dudes first because those influencers and those people that get all the adoration and affirmation and all that shit, like some of them are pretty phony people and, you know, the real raw, genuine ones that are hungry, you know, not everybody's like that, but some people, but the ones that are hungry that just don't are starved for opportunity, shout out to them. Don't give up ever. You just have to put, you got to put the pads on and you got to get vulnerable and you got to like take the hits, just take it on the chin for as long as you got to pay your dues. And like, it'll, it'll work out. Like if you can, you know, refine your work and you know, all this stuff, you're going to make it. And, you know, so shout out to the little guys that feel like they're not seen and they go to bed at night, just like dying on the inside because they feel like they're, you know, not able to, uh, live up to their fullest potential creative potential because you got to have people believing in you and you got to be backed like you got to get coast you got to have some cosigns you got to have you know you got to have somebody that believes in you and you know i had i had i had plenty of people that believe in me and support me and are so super kind and you know this is this is only the beginning but this is me like this is me hobby dons is me this is who i want to be this is who i am as a storyteller this is just you know this is just the beginning and I'm glad people are like receiving it well. And, you know, if you got soundtrack ideas, I love being blown away by like some deep cut that I just haven't heard before. Or some mainstream artist where you just have this song that it's like it's slept on. Nobody knows it. DM me, send me something on Facebook. I love soundtrack inspiration. Like most of the time when I'm writing these episodes, I'll just on a loop, I'll play a song for six hours where it just does not change. And that's my show vibe. And, you know, I just write to one song for, you know, hours and hours and hours on repeat. So send me stuff because I get inspired by, by soundtrack, by music, by, you know, like 90s stuff, new stuff, old stuff, anything. So I just wanted to open it up, get some crowd participation and people to like, 
you know, bring that magic, you know, the, those songs that are slept on that, that, that like they it's theirs, like offer it to me too. I want in on it. Yeah. You know, when you were, um, when you were talking, uh, about giving attention to the little guy, uh, it, you know, I, one of the, one of the most important, uh, most influential mentors I've had in my life, uh, always said that, you know, and he was a higher up at a, at a company I was with. And he always said that, you know, you, you, you got to pay respect to the person who's at the bottom of the salary band as much as you pay to someone who's at the top of it, because everybody's doing their part in, in a, in a company, everyone's got a job to do and, uh, and everybody deserves respect. So it's, it's nice to hear that, that you, uh, you are kind of a, that, that kind of person too. It says a lot to me that that really says a lot about who you are as a person so to everybody who has joined us tonight, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for, um, for, for your time, for your comments in the chat. Uh, make sure if you are not yet following Aaron on Instagram, it's at A-A-R-I-3 with three underscores. It's on the ticker right now. That Those are three underscores I confirmed with him the other day. And uh, you will be uh, apprised of what's going on with Hobby Dons and also subscribe to the Hobby Dons YouTube channel. It's as simple as that hobby dons uh to anyone who is new to the to sports cards live tonight that that you want to come see aaron i do welcome you to the show to the channel please subscribe love to have you as a regular viewer every saturday night with some nice uh interviews with various hobbyists from all different areas so uh great to welcome you to the show to the channel hope you enjoyed it aaron uh you know that's it man we we are done this is over uh, I want to thank you for joining uh, again. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. Keep being you. Uh, you're a great guy. And uh, final comments to you, and we are done. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for you know being so supportive and like you you jumped on it right away. You were so you're extremely kind to, you know to reach out and you took an interest in it. That means the world to me. I just want to thank everybody that, you know, the, the support and the comments have been so positive and that's all I wanted to do for you guys, you know, for the hobby. I just, I want the world to see us in a certain way and I wanted it to be tasteful. I wanted it to be, you know, awesome, shareable, watchable, rewatchable, you know, so if you were showing your buddies or your family, like something that you, you were getting into, like this gives some legitimacy, like, Lou is a financial advisor. The music's sick. The vibe, you know, it works. So, you know, it just gives you somebody, you know, gives you an opportunity to share like, okay, this hobby is like for real. And wow, this is pretty cool. Like I, I need to like look into this. So, but thank you so much for having me, man. I really yeah. appreciate it. You're awesome. You're super tall. I saw you at the national. I was too embarrassed to come to like uh, shop oh. and go up and say hello, but all you guys yeah. are big and tall. I wish you would have. I wish you would have. Um, but uh, no, man, great to have you. Thanks again. Fi I just want to scroll through a couple more of the comments here. Mike Petty says, maybe there is hope for your generation yet. Don't ever change that mentality. It's the every man that helps you get to where you want to be. Worked for me. Well said, Mike Petty. Thank you for that. Brianne Pratt you're, says you really love music. Flea Market Mixtape says, Jeremy, you're the best. Now, thank you, Flea Market Mixtape. Also, where you watch it on YouTube, Flea Market, it is on YouTube. This channel is called Hobby Dons. You can find it. Good night, Troy. Great to have you for a live. Mike Petty, always love the show. Jeremy, good luck to you. Aaron, you won me over, and that's saying something. Really nice comment, Mike. Thank you so much. Thank you, Purple Haze, for joining. Glad you enjoyed. 
That's it, Aaron. Hang tight right there, everybody else. Good night. Thanks for joining tonight. We will see you.